Hello, and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Montemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. And back today, as promised yesterday, with Tony Jones from the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, spent a lot of time with Tony on the, really the prime free agent target for a lot of teams this summer. Uh, my third overall target on the board uh, behind Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, who are both staying with the Warriors, and so thus the most uh, attractive for agents that could change teams. Uh, Gordon Hayward from the from the Jazz, uh, excellent all-star small forward. Um, in a league where there aren't enough wing players, Gordon is a guy that a lot of teams want and uh, seems like a real danger to leave the Jazz, uh, despite the fact that Utah had a terrific year and looks like they have a really good young team. Um, you know, it looks like he could go to Boston or Miami. And I think the general opinion is that he is going to leave. And so, um, you know, it was an interesting conversation about kind of what it's like covering a situation like this. Uh, how Tony breaks down the race between the, the Heat, Jazz, and Celtics for Hayward Services and what will happen uh, both with their other two key free agents, Joe Ingles and George Hill, and what the, what the Jazz will try to do if Hayward leaves and how they try to respond to that. So it was a fun conversation. I think you guys will enjoy it. And with that, let's get to my talk with Tony. All right, Tony, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, do a great job covering the Jazz and Salt Lake Tribune. And this summer you happen to be covering the – most prominent uh, free agent on the market who seems you know, most likely to change teams and Gordon Hayward um, doesn't mean he will, but uh, certainly the guy who seems to be most in play. So that means you've been dealing with uh, a lot of calls from various uh, markets wanting to talk about their player uh, and um, constant rumors about who he's going to meet with and how, how the process is going to play out. So I guess uh, let's start with for people who don't really know how this stuff works um, you know, what, uh, you know, what, what have the last, you know, couple of weeks or few weeks been like as you've been preparing for free agency and trying to, uh, trying to deal with everything that, that comes with, uh, you know, with covering a situation like Gordon Hayward heading into free agency? Well, I think it's been hectic. Um, I think, you know, as you get closer and closer to the day, you know, I think, you know, it, it gets, I think the intensity ramps up a little bit. Um, one of the things as a reporter that, you know, you try to do is you try to, you know, you try to trust your reporting in a vacuum um, and tune out the outside noise, um, you know, because there are a lot of guys who have been on Twitter, you know, the last few weeks, um, you know, reporting their own stuff, you know, saying, hey, they're hearing this and they're hearing that. And, you know, what you have to do is you, you just kind of have to block that out of your head and, and you know, and trust your own reporting um, and, and, and trying to do your own thing. Um, while at the same time, you know, trying to straddle a line in, in terms of validity of, of what people are reporting. I mean, obviously, if, you know, if Adrian Wojnarowski reports something, you know, obviously you can pretty much take that to the bank. But, you know, there are other people who, who report stuff that, you know, you could listen to or you couldn't listen to. But, you know, mostly I think, you know, it's just, you know, figuring out who are going to be the best people who are going to help you behind the scenes and, and you know, just trying to figure out which way you think this thing can go uh, once once the moratorium starts on uh, on uh, 10 p.m. Friday night Mountain Time. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it is it is it is a crazy time, and uh, it, it is a crazy time. And the thing the thing about things right now is that you know with the way this is covered now, where you know we're basically on our phones 24 hours a day, and there's there's stuff coming out all the time. Um, there's really never a break for situations like these, right? Like 
from basically the end of the jazz season up until, you know, probably early next week, whenever, uh, whenever he makes his decision, um, it's, uh, it, it, it's just going to be a nonstop barrage of news. And that, that's really, you know, that's really where things have grown to. And, and for, like you said, for people in our positions, you know, especially you, where this is, you know, obviously the big story for you to cover for a while here, um, you know, it's a, it's a matter of figuring out, you know, like you said, what stuff that you hear is credible and, and what stuff isn't, and then figuring it out from there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's where, that's where I think you kind of straddle a fine line, um, there. Um, but you know, I, I think, you know, when it comes to yourself and, or, or, or me, I think, you know, you have to be confident in your reporting and confident in your sources and confident in the fact that, you know, you can compete with, um, you know, whatever, whatever is out there in terms of, in terms of competing for the story. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, with, with, as a reporter, I think, you know, I think I'm ready for, you know, what's going to happen. I think, you know, a lot of people are ready for what's going to happen. I think there are a lot of people who have been covering the story, you know, for the last year or so that, you know, we're like, okay, you know, as soon as, uh, as soon as free agency starts, just make a decision so we can get it over with. I mean, because there's just been, you know, a lot of speculation and a lot of conjecture, um, um, you know, basically since the, you know, over, basically over the last two years. Right. You know, I mean, Boston has emerged as a, as a, as a legitimate threat uh, for Gordon's services, you know, as, as much as two years ago. Maybe since, you know, maybe even back to when he uh, he uh, signed his offer sheet uh, with, with, the, with the Charlotte Hornets. And, right. You know the jazz matched, and you know there was there was an out after there was a opt out after three years. Once we realized that, you know, I think even back then you heard uh, rumors that you know eventually you know Hayward was would want to go and uh, and reunite with Brad Stevens. So you know this has been a story that's been a long time coming. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see the conclusion. Yeah, no, it really will be. Um, it really will be. Um, what where do you see kind of the the state of things right now? I mean, it, it sounds like we were talking before we started. It, it sounds like you know the the primary teams in the running here are Utah, Boston, and Miami. So you know, as you as you kind of survey the landscape and look at this a couple of days before free agency starts, how do you how do you kind of see the field right now as uh, as we get going here? Well, I think I see Boston and Utah neck and neck, and I think I see Miami as as the team with a little bit of ground to make up. Um, I don't um, dismiss Miami at all, just because I would never bet against Pat Riley. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the thing that you know, you look at the constant between these three teams. All three teams have great coaches. Uh, Boston with Brad Stevens, Utah with Quinn Snyder, Miami with Eric Spolstra, and all three teams have great front office. Um, you know, so you know when you look at when you look at that. Um, I don't think Hayward can make a wrong choice. When you look at the, the three rosters, um, you know, I think Boston and Utah are both, you know, with Hayward, I think they're both 55-ish wins team, 55 mm-hmm. win team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, and I think that's where Miami has to make make some ground up because even with Hayward, uh, that roster as currently constructed probably caps out at 45 to 48 wins. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think I would characterize Boston and, and, and and, and Utah is, is the, the two teams to beat. Uh, they were service, and um, I would, I would uh, 
characterize Miami third. And I think, you know, there have been a couple teams that I've been hearing that have been trying to, to figure out a way in to try to get meaning, but I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that, that Hayward's going to choose from those two games. Yeah, that that is kind of the way that is kind of the way this seems at the moment. Um, you know, and like you said, I mean, we never know. I mean, you could get into could get into July and the Spurs or some other team could fly in out of nowhere. You know, you, you never do quite know. I mean, we didn't. Nobody exactly thought Chris Paul was going to end up on the the Rockets before yesterday. So, uh, you know, things can happen quick. But that certainly does seem to be the way things are set up right now. And I I know that kind of the general opinion around the NBA right now is that Gordon is gone and that he's going to go either to Boston or Miami or somewhere, but that, it, you know, it seems like the wind is, is kind of against the jazz at the moment. Is that, is that kind of the, is that kind of the, the general tenor in, in Utah right now, or are people there more optimistic that, you know, they're going to find a way to get this done and bring Gordon back? Well, I think there's, there's a, you know, I think, when you look at the Jazz fan base, it's really passionate and really smart, um, and they they're really there's a really a lot of there's a feeling of angst um, uh, for sure uh, in terms of what 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 they were going to do, um, and you know I think the feeling in Utah is that it can go either way. Um, you know the the feel the, the the feeling that you get with you know I think the national media is that Hayward is gone. I think that if you look at some media, um, um, I think if you look at some media, I think that you know a lot of a lot of them are expecting you know Hayward to just pack up the moving bat van and 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 and, uh, and go somewhere else. So you know I think you're right. I think that the the tone around the league is is uh, that they generally generally expect Hayward to be gone. Um, I think that the uh, the Celtics are, are confident that they're going to get Hayward. Um, but at the same time, I think the Jazz are confident that they're going to that they're going to keep Hayward and that they're going to um, be able to keep Hayward. So, you know, I, I, I think uh, I think that can go either way. Um, but I, I do think that the narrative right now is, is that Hayward is, is uh, expected to switch teams. Yeah, and the, the biggest thing that seems to be working against them is from from my understanding of talking to people, and you know, I, I've I've obviously been in the middle of a few different things, so I I don't know if this is still the latest stance, but my read on things right now is that Gordon seems to be planning on taking a three-year deal um, in order to get himself back on the market at the 10-year Supermax mark, um, as opposed to signing a five-year deal, which is where, uh, you know, if he wanted to sign a full five-year deal, that's where the Jazz could really offer him more money. Um, but if it's if if you're offering three-year deals, then it then it's, you know, the difference is kind of negligible. Is that from your reporting, is that kind of where things stand right now, that, that his preference is to try to, you know, sign that shorter deal and allow himself to get back on the market one more time, uh, you know, when he's, you know, approaching 30 to get that, um, to get that, that full Supermax deal wherever he goes at the 35% mark? Well, I think, I think, you know, I've heard some of that, um, and but I've also heard that, that Hayward wants to sign a five-year deal and that he buys this year um, and, 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 and the money that that creates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, and that's the problem with the thing. I mean, you're just going to hear everything. Right. And, you know, and that's, that's why I say, you know, in, in some respects, you just got to clear your mind and just focus on the facts. And, you know, from my perspective right now, the facts are, you know, 
Hayward's going to meet with, with Miami. He's going to meet with Boston. He's going to meet with Utah. And, you know, whatever happens out of that, that's what happens out of that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why, you know, narrative is one thing, you know, but what actually happens is, 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 is completely another thing. Now, I think from my perspective, I think that the threat of Hayward leaving Utah is absolutely real. Right. Um, you know, but I think the I think that you know the possibility of of Hayward staying in Utah is also absolutely real. Right. Um, what I do know about Hayward is you know he wants to win and he wants to win now and he wants to win a championship. And knowing that about Hayward and knowing that that you know kind of his mission uh, to accomplish and and whatever happens in his free agency and his free agency, I think that team that can sell him on winning now and in the future, um, the best is going to be the team that, that, that he signs with, whether that be for three years, whether that be for four years, whether that be for five years. Right. It's going to be the, the, the guy that can walk into the meeting with Hayward, uh, whether it be Lin- Dennis Lindsay, whether it be Danny Angel, whether it be Pat Riley, and can you know put a rock, credible roster on paper and that, that Hayward can see and that can sell him on the path to the future, uh, the path of winning in the future. Uh, and that's, that's the team that I think is going to have the best chance of uh, signing Hayward. So as you see it right now, let's let's pretend let's pretend you're not a, a short black dude and you're a six eight white dude and you're you're Gordon Hayward and you're in that in that meeting with him uh, with those guys. Who who do you think gives him the best chance to do that? If you think that's his uh, that's his overriding goal, which is certainly what I I think that it is too from everything I know about Gordon. Well, I think Utah and Boston are back are, are neck and neck. Um, I think you know I think. You know, Boston's got the most assets right now. Um, mm-hmm. I think they've obviously they've got the best asset. Um, I think that Hayward's playing with the best player out of the two teams, mm-hmm. uh, that being Rudy Gobert. I agree with that um, too. I think um, I think Boston. The the thing that if I were a Utah Jazz fan that that would that would make me nervous is that I think Boston a year from now or two years from now can call up New Orleans and offer their entire motherload of assets for Anthony Davis. Right. And and um you know probably or, next or, summer or, when Demarcus well probably next summer when Demarcus leaves, right? <laughs> I mean yeah. that Right. That, I mean that that feels like that feels like where this is headed. Where you know if they assuming they don't make a big swing for you know and give up a bunch of their assets sooner that you know when whenever that thing starts to blow up in in New Orleans, which seems inevitable, that that that's the guy they would really push all the chips in and try to get. Exactly. So you know if you're Utah, how do you counter that? Well, you have to have internal growth and Utah's advantage here is that they have a lot of guys who are 23, 24, 25 years old who haven't hit their prime um, and um, and they have and they have assets going forward. I mean, they have two first-round picks next year. You know, they, they have, you know, assets beyond that. Uh, they just don't have Boston assets. You know, so the question is, do you go to Boston? And right now, if, if Hayward goes to Boston, especially with the way the landscape has, has worked out over the last two or three weeks with Jimmy Butler coming over from, from the East, Eastern Conference to the Western Conference, with what if Paul George – you know, if he doesn't go to Boston, what if he goes to the Houston Rockets? Then what you're looking at right now is a three-team Eastern Conference. You're looking at the Cleveland Cavaliers. You're looking at the Boston Celtics. You're looking at the Washington Wizards. And if you're going Hayward, you know, that could be
be your easiest path to at least the Eastern Conference, at least the Conference Final. I'm not sure that whatever he does gets him past LeBron because I still think LeBron is just that good right now. Um, but, you know, it might be an easier path. And, you know, when you look at 55 wins in the Western Conference versus 55 wins in the Eastern Conference, one gets you almost a cakewalk to the Conference Final. One gets you a four seed, and the other gets you a four seed and a date with uh, Golden State in the second round. So those yep. are the things that Hayward has to that that Hayward has to um, figure out, and that's what uh, Dennis Lindsay to me has to fight. So you know, I think the Jazz will be best served right now in this with you know using their cap space um, in uh figuring out a way to um, to um, to make the roster better, um, and re-signing their guys, meaning George Hill and, and, and Joe Ingles. And I don't think the Jazz can worry about. I don't think they can worry about the luxury tax. I say I don't think they they're in a position to worry about money. I think they have to do whatever it takes to at least at the very least keep this roster intact from last year and then go out and use that mid level and figure and figure out identify a free agent uh, that could come and help and, and, and figure that out as well and continue to uh, rely on the uh, internal growth of, of people like Dante X and people like Rodney Hood uh, and, um, and and people like Donovan Mitchell and Tony Bradley, who they just drafted. So it's uh, it's definitely going to be uh, a situation that's not enviable for, for, for Jazz general manager Dennis Lindsay, but, you know, I do think that they're competitive uh, from a roster standpoint with Boston. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're right. So let, let's talk about, Let's talk about those other guys for the Jazz, just specifically Ingles and uh, and Hill. What what do you think? You know, let, let's start with Hill because I, I think his situation is is pretty interesting. Um, you know, he, here's a guy that the Jazz offered a big extension to uh, during the season that he turned down. Um, you know, there's been talk that he he thinks he's going to get somewhere near a max deal. Or that is at least as people think that um, on the open market. Um, what what do you think the what do you think the market is for him, and and what do you what do you think he winds up doing? Because I I didn't really understand why he turned down that extension offer in the first place. Because to me, I don't see uh, a situation where he gets you know anywhere really near that kind of money uh, when he hits the open market this summer. Personally, well, his market uh, I, I think his market was uh, robust uh, about three weeks ago, and then. Um, there, then things started happening. Um, you know, Brooklyn traded for D'Angelo Russell, um, and that was a team that I thought um, had a chance that that, that was potentially going to give Gordon, uh, Georgia Mac. Um, there was a lot of interest uh, from from Philadelphia, um, but they traded up into the first spot to the one spot, and they drafted Markel Fultz. Um, the one thing I am hearing um, is that the, there's potential interest from the New York Knicks. Uh, now that now that Phil Jackson is gone, um, and that is you know, and that's a team that can that can step up and, and offer a significant contract. Um, you know, there is uh, potential interest from the San Antonio Spurs, but they have to make moves first for the for them to even clear the cap space uh, to sign somebody like George Hill. Um, 
you know, and until they do that, to me, I mean, there's really nothing to talk about with them. Um, but George is, you know, from what my sources are telling me, he is 100% open uh, to re-signing with, with, with the Jazz. And um, I think it's going to come down to whether the Jazz, A, whether they use their cap space by tomorrow night. Um, it's about fifteen million, four, little little less than $15 million uh, that they have to use by tomorrow night. Um, and B, whether if they do use it, whether they use it on a point guard, whether they acquire somebody like, you know, Ricky Rubio. I know they had a lot of interest in Patrick Beverly, but Patrick Beverly is now off the table uh, because he went to um, the Los Angeles Clippers in the Chris Paul deal. Um, so if, if the Jazz don't get another point guard on the, on the roster um, by uh, by uh, midnight tomorrow night, um, I think that both sides will realize that um, uh, they are each other's best option, and I would expect George Hill to stay with the Jazz. Um, but if the Jazz do uh, in the next 48 hours or a less, little less than 48 hours um, get, a, get another point guard, uh, then I would think that, that George Hill coming back to the Utah Jazz is, is a little bit precarious. Yeah, I, I just, you know, to me, like I said, I mean, I, I kind of wonder if even a team like the Spurs has to clear cap space for him. Because, I, I mean, I think you said it best at the beginning. You, you go back, like you said, about a month ago, right? And there were a lot of teams that seemed like they needed point guards. And, like, those teams just don't really exist anymore. Um, you know, I mean, the Spurs, the Spurs do, in, in theory, if they're going to, you know, go in a different direction than uh, Deontay Murray. But, um, you know, the, the Nets went and got Russell, like you said. The Sixers went and got Markel Fultz. Um, you know, there's, there's, just, there's just not – And Sacramento drafted the – Yeah, Sacramento drafted De'Aaron Fox. Right. So like yeah, again, like they don't they don't need to go spend big money on a point guard and 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 look, there's there's a lot of point guards on the market, right? I mean, and here's and here's, here's an underrated here's one of the underrated moves that I think kind of messed with Hill as well. Dallas had a lot of interest, and I'm sure you've heard this too. Dallas had a lot of interest in Drew Holiday, mm-hmm. um, but they drafted they drafted Dennis Smith, Smith. right? So now Drew Holiday, now that interest gets in Drew Holiday, which was a move that would have probably set off, uh, that probably would have set off a chain of events. Yep. That's not there. Now, you know, New Orleans has a significant incumbent advantage in keeping Drew Holiday, where I think that if Drew Holiday had gone to Dallas, I think New Orleans would have offered George Hill the match. Yeah, they certainly would have tried to. I mean, they might have had they would have had to clear some room, but they would have they would have had to offer him as much as they could. And I mean, yeah, like you you go through and look, right? Like I'm just going through a list of teams. Chicago, you know, in theory could use a point guard, but they have 17 young point guards. They just traded for Chris Dunn. They traded for Cameron Payne. They're probably going to cut Rajon Rondo. Right, and they're they're gonna and they're gonna be terrible. They're probably going to cut Rajon Rondo today or tomorrow. So there there's another team. Um, there's another team that you know another point guard on the market. Another team doesn't need one. So, you know, Atlanta's got a point guard. Brooklyn, Boston, Charlotte, Cleveland. Uh, Dallas drafted Dennis Smith. They're, they've already said they're going to start him. Uh, Denver's got uh, Moutier, Murray, and Nelson. They don't, they're not getting a point guard. Uh, Detroit is over the cap, but they already have Reggie, Reggie Jackson. Um, obviously, the Warriors don't. The Rockets don't. Uh, maybe the Pacers do, but they have another guy, Jeff Teague, that's now on the market. Um, you know, the Clippers – you know, maybe need a point guard, but they seem like they've already got Beverly. They're probably going to save their money for next summer. The Lakers and Grizzlies don't. The Heat don't. Uh, the Timberwolves could be in the market for a point guard, but then maybe so maybe then Ricky Rubio's on the market. Um, but there's again, there's another option for teams. Uh, you know, the Bucks, 
have Malcolm Brogdon and Della Vadova, they, and they don't have a lot of money, so I don't think they're signing a point guard. Um, you know, like you already mentioned the Pelicans, Drew Holiday. Uh, the Knicks maybe would be interested in a point guard. I mean, that's one potential destination maybe, but they don't, they don't have a ton of cap room. Uh, the Thunder obviously have Westbrook. Uh, the Magic could maybe use a point guard, but I don't really see them chasing after one. The Sixers and Suns don't. The Blazers obviously don't. You know, again, maybe the Spurs. Um, you know, the Kings that just drafted Fox. You know, the Wizards don't. Then you have the Jazz, and Toronto is Kyle Lowry. So on a market where there's not many guys, not many homes for guys, you've got Lowry, Holiday, Teague, Hill. You've got Rubio floating around as a possible trade candidate. I mean, there's just not the, – the market demand and the cap space to sign those guys just isn't really there. So I, I think that, you know, not only Hill, but I think a lot of these guys could find themselves in a situation where they're kind of scrambling around for the best offer they can get because I, I just don't – I don't really see where the big offers are going to come in for these teams to, to go out and, and be, outbid a team like Utah, um, you know, to get George Hill away from there frankly. Yeah, well, my question is, you know, where does Kyle Lowry land? And I think that that's, you know, that's, that's going to be uh, a question. I mean, if if Minnesota can give Ricky Rubio off of their roster, then, then I think Kyle Lowry um, absolutely lands with the Timberwolves. Um, um, but if that doesn't happen, you know, you know where where does Kyle Lowry land? I mean, right. You know, and and I think you know the Spurs have to like they have to at least trade Danny Green, right? And well, they I mean they could they could I think they could be in the mix for Hill now because with Powell's number off the book, um, you know they would have they have somewhere around twenty million in cap space now, or maybe a little bit less. So, but that's what I'm saying. Like George Hill, I think thought he was going to get. $10 million more than that, but I just don't, I don't think the market's going to be there. But that's why, to me, I never understood, like, that extension offer to me was far richer than whatever he was going to get in free agency. So, you know, I, I think his people re- realistically thought he was going to get a max this summer, and after the injuries he's had, the age he's got on him, I, I just think, you know, to me, his, his number's going to be in the probably 12 to 18 range somewhere, which... You know, if if which ironically, you know, if if Hayward does stick around, you know, Utah might up getting a bargain compared to what they were going to spend to keep him before, just because you know it, it seems like he misread what the market was going to look like. Yeah, and I um one thing I do need to, to clear up um you know with Hill the extension that he turned down um from multiple sources who have told me it you know I was it. it it was a significant offer, but it wasn't that significant. It wasn't. It wasn't close to. The, it wasn't close to a match. Right. Uh, so I, you know, he turned down an extension. I'm not sure I characterize it as he turned down a big extension. Right. Uh, I, I I think he turned down an extension where I think that he thought he could easily surprise um, on the open market. Um, there was definitely an offer made, um, um, but the two sides just you know d- decided to. Uh, go back to the to the table um, come July. Uh, so we're going to see what what happens there. But I, I, you know, here's the thing. You know, I don't think that the money is the question with the Jazz. I think the years are the question. Right. And you know, uh, my sources are telling me that George is is he's seeking four years. Um, and they've I'm been sure, I'm that, sure that he is. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but 
you know, it'll be interesting to see if 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 George is willing to take three or or you know three and a team option or even two. Uh, if that two is coming at you know twenty two twenty three million dollars a year, you know something like that. Um, you know, but if you look at it, if you look in a vacuum and you look at just specifically next year, you know, I really struggle to see anybody uh, that the Jazz could realistically get um, other than George Hill who fits better than George Hill or who is better for the Jazz than George Hill. Um, I don't, I don't think Rookie Rubio is is a better option than George Hill. Um, I didn't think that Patrick Beverly for for as as well as as good a defender as he is, I don't. I didn't think. I didn't think that he was a better option than George Hill. The only guy that I would say that you could possibly get that you know maybe would be better than George Hill would be you know Goran Dragic, and I don't. I don't see him uh, as as a huge possibility at all. So right. Um, just don't see any. I just don't see anybody out there, uh, man, who could be better for the Jazz than what and that roster uh, and the makeup of that roster than than what George Hill was able to provide last year. Right. No, he he was a great fit, and there's a reason. You know, it, they couldn't stay healthy last year, but there's a reason they looked awfully good when they had their their group together. Is because they that the pieces all fit well, and they're very talented. Now, a big a big piece of that is Joe Ingles. Um, you know, who is a restricted free agent, he's a little older, um, I think he just turned 30, um, but he's a wing player that can that can kind of do a lot of things on the wing, and there aren't a lot of wing players, period. So, you know, what what do you think What do you think his market is, and how, how likely do you think it is that he's back in Utah next year? Well, I think his market is going to be robust. So, I mean, my sources tell me that, that there's a lot of interest out there on the market for Joe, and there should be good reason for that. I mean, he, he distinguished himself as, a really, really, really important glue guy um, for the Jazz last year. Not only that, he was he was a terrific two way player, which is like I mean, you know, I I you know I've gone up to Joe and 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 you know I have a really good relationship with him, and I've gone up to him and 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 you know said multiple times like you were like the last person on earth who I I thought would turn himself into a great a really good defender, and you know and he kind of laughed it off, but. He, you know, he understood, and, you know, he's a guy who turned himself into a great defender without having athleticism, but he figured, you know, he watched film, he figured out angles, he figured out how to use his height. I mean, he's six foot eight, and he's really long, um, and he figured out how to use all of that and, and, and use all of that to his advantage, and I thought, you know, I thought that that was um, a pretty um, significant uh, change for him. So, you know, I think that he's a guy who um, can easily double or even triple his salary on the market. I think that he could – I wouldn't be surprised if he came back with the offer sheet of three years and three years and $45 million, which would be $15 million a year. Um, you know, Yeah, that wouldn't so surprise I, me either. Yeah, I, I, I think he's going to land in, in the 10 to $15 million a year range. Um, and I think the Jazz are going to match. I, of, of all of Utah's free agents, I am most confident in saying that Joe Ingles is the one is is going to be back. Um, because I think Joe is, I think he recognizes that the Jazz are really good for him um, and that he, he's good for the Jazz. Um, so I think he's going to go out on the market, and I think he's going to come back with a pretty significant offer, and I think the Jazz is going to match. Yeah, I mean, do you – now, this is where I wanted to get to. Let's say – um, let's say that uh, let's let's say that that Hayward leaves. Let's say he chooses to go to Boston, uh, just as a or, or Miami, either one. 
how do you think that um, how do you think that impacts what Utah does with Hill and and Ingles? Does it matter at all? Uh, do they do they kind of look at this as well at that point we're building around Rudy with a bunch of young guys? Like what what do you think what do you think that the organization's mindset will be if if they do strike out on keeping Hayward? Is it is it a are they trying to tread water and stay competitive, or are they, or are they thinking at that point to maybe stay, take a step back and, you know, maybe not commit, you know, money to a guy like Hill and a guy like Ingles who are both going to be in their 30s throughout their next deal? You can't start over, and here's why. Because if you lose Hayward, the moment you lose Hayward, the clock is ticking. Who's the clock ticking on? It's ticking on Rudy Get. I mean Rudy Gobert, right? Right. Um, his four-year deal starts on Saturday. That means if if Hayward leaves, in my estimation, you have two years to get the the front office has two years to get back to the level that they were at last year. Right. Although, and, 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 and if you don't get back to that level, then the pressure to trade Rudy Gobert becomes immense uh, two years from now. Um, because he'd be, you know, you don't want to, you, you don't want to, you wouldn't want to trade him potentially in the last year of his deal because then you're operating from a position of weakness. Right. And you don't want to lose him for nothing. So, right. in my estimation, if the Jazz lose Gordon Hayward, they have two years, and it's an arms race, um, to, to, to get back to a top four, top three in the, in, in the Western Conference level. So that means you you first of all, if Gordon left, you have thirty million dollars in cap space. So you scan you scan the market here and you figure out a way. Like okay, you know, does this work or does that work? Um, and if it doesn't, then you know you you keep the money. Um, you roll with Rodney Hood and, and Joe Ingles as your wing. Um, you re-sign George Hill, and you know George Hill, Rodney Hood, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert. Um, and you know their favors. To me, that still gets you. That still gets you a seven seed in the West. You're not going to be. You're not going to be a top four seed. You're not going to be. You're not going to be a 55, 60 win team. Right. Um, so you can still be pretty competitive uh, in the Western Conference. And then you have two two first round picks next year, which will probably be in the teams. You might be able to flip it for a lottery pick, like they they, they flip uh, Trey Lyles and 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 um and the twenty fourth pick for for Donovan Mitchell. Right. Um, you're having some of the young guys, um, but there is a baseline to do both, which is stay competitive, but at the same time develop. Um, and I think that the Jazz have to figure out a way. If they lose Hayward, they have to figure out a way to do that and to make losing Hayward a blip um, rather than you know a crushing blow uh, to the franchise for the next five years. And that's what they're going to be fighting. I think the problem. Tony, is that I just don't like. I think that's. I think you're right that that's how they need to try to approach it. I just don't know how they can replace him. Um, you know, there are so few wings. You know, like we were just talking about what Ingles is going to get, right? Because of how few wings there are, and you know, they're already a team that that's built on defense and and doesn't score a ton as it is. So, I mean, if, if they lose him, it's just to me like. Like I think your point is 100% right that you know this is this is the first year of Rudy's extension, right? He signed his extension in October. Right. Right. So so two years from now he's got two years left. And to right. me, I just don't see how between now and two years from now they could get back to the same place. That's why to me they're um, 
the situation for the um, the situation for the uh, for the Jazz to me is utterly fascinating because you know in a lot of ways people don't consider him the same level of player I think for obvious reasons but to me this is very similar to where Oklahoma City was last year um, with Durant in that if you have Durant and Westbrook you obviously have a chance to win a title if you have Hayward and Gobert with the pieces that Utah has you're at worst the four seed I think for the next few years. You know, in, even in a competitive Western Conference, they're the basis of a really good team. You know, Quinn Snyder's a great coach. They've got a lot of talent around them. And they could be, um, they could be really good. Um, but if he leaves, I just feel like it, it sets them on a path to where they're going to have to, at some point, trade Rudy and blow this thing up. Because, you know, unless they can swing another trade somewhere to bring in some other person, you know, which, you know, Dennis Lindsay's a terrific GM, maybe he can do that. Um, I, I just think that the, the the task of trying to replace him just just seems incredibly difficult for a team that's already, to your point, too good to really get low enough in the lottery to get the kind of player that they would need to um, to really have be the guy with Gobert. And it would take that guy probably too long uh, to develop into the player they need for him to really be the kind of co the co pilot they would need with Gobert before Gobert is ready to leave. Well, I think the one the one wild card that you know, and I don't think anybody outsets you know. I, I think I might be the only person. <laughs> I assume you're going to say. I assume you're going to say Dante Axum. No, I'm actually going to say Rodney Hood. Oh, okay. When when Gordon, if you look back at the game that Gordon doesn't play and Rodney Hood is healthy and in the starting lineup, he is a different player without Gordon Hayward um, because he has you know he's he's he has ownership and when, and Rodney Hood when he knows that he's got to go out and get buckets, he's going to go out and get buckets and and I think that that's something that you have to to, to watch. Um, the key with Rodney is because he has so much talent. The key with Rodney is he's got to stay healthy and he's got to stay out of his own head to a degree uh, because he's a guy who, if he goes and he starts a game and he misses his first three or four shots, then all of a sudden he passes up shots. He passes right. up shots five, six, seven, and eight. Um, and you know, Quinn Snyder is you know he's he's like, look, Rodney, I'll bench you if you keep passing up shots. Right. And, you know, I, I think that Rodney, I think inside Rodney, I think is a guy who I think can average 20 points a game in this league. Um, you know, so you look at him, um, uh, you know, I, you're right. You do look at Dante Axum and see if he can make a leap. Now, he's he's intriguing because he's playing summer league uh, in, in, in Salt Lake City. So, you know, Jazz fans and, and the NBA will actually get to take a three-day look at him um, next week. He's not going to play in Vegas, but he's going to play at Salt Lake. And Dennis Lindsay went out of his way to uh, to really praise him uh, for the offseason that he's having. So, um, you know, I, one of his direct quotes was, I think you're going to see a player with tremendous growth um, and that they have high expectations for him. You know, so that's going to be interesting um, as well. And, you know, I want to see what I want to see what Donovan Mitchell can do. Um, you know, he's a guy who's, you know, his playing style in a little bit is kind of anti-jazz when he's in, in the in the say he's like really athletic, he flies all around the court, um, and he's a guy who, you know, he can play at a fast pace. Um, you know, and I, I think the Jazz really like him, and I think that at some point he's going to get a, a real chance to um, to earn some minutes, and it'll be interesting to see his development as well. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, and that you, I mean, you mentioned it a couple times earlier. I mean, if if he does leave, they're going to need, you know, they're going to need guys like uh, they're going to need guys like Hood and, and Axum and 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 you know some of these and Donovan Mitchell. I mean, they're going to need those guys to really you know take leaps if they're going to if they're going to get anywhere back near to the point where they're at now. And you're right, I think that's what they need to do um, in order to to not have to to move on from Gobert down the road. So. It really, it really is going to be a fascinating few days. I think Utah's situation is, like I said before, I, I think it's probably the most fascinating of any team in the league this summer because I, I really feel it's a high stakes game for them. And you know, it's it was you know they were a fun team to watch this past year, and I, I personally like to see them, uh, you know, keep rolling with this core. But you know, it really does come down to what Hayward wants, and you know, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. So uh, I don't want to keep it any longer, Tony. It's been uh, been a fun chat. Been a fun chat. Uh, give the people, uh, you know, ways to follow you on social media, and and also feel free to, uh, you know, to, to pump any stories you've done recently on the uh, the run up to free agency getting started. Um, you can follow me a couple of places. You can follow me at uh, Trib Jazz T R I B J A Z Z, um, or you can follow me at T Jones F S Trib T J O N E S F O T R I B. You know, I um, I put all my stories out on social media all the time, so you know you'll be flooded flooded with content. Um, <laughs> you also be flooded with exclamation yeah. points. Nobody uses exclamation it points more than my man Tony Jones. <laughs> Um, Sam, I, pre- I really, really appreciate you having me on, man. Really appreciate it. So, um, I really. No, man, you do good work, and I'll see you. Uh, I will you now. I'm trying to remember. Uh, you you will have uh, summer league in Las Vegas, uh, or in Las Vegas in Utah, which will also have the interesting dynamic of the the Celtics being there during summer league, potentially uh, as they sign Gordon Hayward, which would be in uh, an odd dynamic, but. <laughs> Jazz Celtics on the floor, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward makes his decision. I can already see it happen. I mean, it would be. It certainly would be. It certainly would be something. Uh, but did, I was trying to remember: Do the Jazz go to to Vegas Summer League, or do they just do their own? Yeah, they go to Vegas. Uh, I'll be in Vegas um, um, following them. Um, so that'll be that'll be fun to uh, to watch as well. Um, don't tell my bosses, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Lonzo Ball. Uh, in <laughs> He, as somebody who has covered him a few times this year, he is fun. And uh, as you know, those Laker games in Vegas uh, get oh out of control God. normally. Uh, and with him, I assume Brandon Ingram will play. Uh, it will be, and Josh Hart is going to play. It will be, it will be chaos. So uh, yeah. it will be, it will be fun. Kuzma. What were you going to say? I said, and Kyle Kuzma is going to play. Yes. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Kyle, I forgot. Utah Youth. Uh, Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. Um, yes, you know, absolutely. They they are going to be they they will probably sell out the Thomas and Mack Center. I mean, they'll probably get well over ten thousand people to watch really terrible summer league games. So <laughs> they uh, uh, I, I will. I'm I'm going to I'm not going to guess a lot of things, but I'm going to guess that none of the Lakers games in summer league are going to be played in Cox. No, I'm pretty confident they're all going to be in Thomas and Mack, and it's going to be a madhouse. So. Uh, but all right. Well, I, I was asking, so I was hoping to see you there. So uh, I will. I will look forward to seeing you in Vegas. And good luck with free agency, man. Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate you having me on, and, and uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. All right. Thanks again to Tony for stopping by. Really enjoyed the podcast as always. Um, Tony's a good dude. Uh, follow his work at Trib Jazz and, and with the Salt Lake Tribune. And give pay attention over the next few days. He's going to be covering the, the biggest story of the summer. Uh, what will happen with Gordon Hayward at free agency? So. Uh, Be sure to check him out. 
Um, you can follow my work at Tim Bontemps on Twitter, at Tim Bontemps NBA on Facebook, uh, on the Washington Post website, washingtonpost.com slash sports, uh, or in the pages of the newspaper itself. Um, please subscribe to my newsletter, uh, the Monday Morning Post Up. Going to be a ton of free agency goodies in there. Should be a lot of fun uh, to follow along with that. Uh, in order to do so, subscribe at wapo.st slash postupnewsletter. That's wapo.st slash postupnewsletter. Uh, give that a subscription, please, if you would. Uh, please give the podcast a five-star rating and review on iTunes um, or Stitcher or wherever else you listen to your podcast. It really helps us out a lot when you do that. So thank you. Um, thanks, thanks again to Tony Jones for stopping by. I'm going to maybe do one more podcast uh, this week. I have, a, have an idea for one. I got to see if it'll work out. Um, so if that comes together, we'll have one for you on Friday. Uh, but otherwise, we will be preparing for uh, the start of free agency, and we'll come back uh, next week with a bunch of pods, hopefully with uh, some shorter ones maybe on some of the key decisions that happen. Um, so that should be, uh, that should be a, good, a good setup for, for the summer, and, and there's going to be plenty happening, as there always is. So um, with that, Uh, I'm going to sign off for now, but until next time, thank you for stopping by.